You're listening to Guitars and Granola Bars, episode 24. Thank you so much for joining me here on Guitars and Granola Bars, Music Therapists Talk Motherhood. I'm your host, Rachel Ramback, and this podcast is for music therapists and anyone else balancing a passion-fueled career with being a mom. This podcast is sponsored by Music Teachers Helper, the best way to manage your private music lesson studio and or music therapy practice. I've used Music Teachers Helper every single day since 2011, and it is one of the best tools I have to keep my private practice running smoothly. Music Teachers Helper is online scheduling and billing software, which you can access from your computer, laptop, tablet, and smartphone that saves you hours every month, enables you to generate reports for taxes, and ensures you never lose track of a payment. Once you add a student, which is super easy, you can choose to automatically send students custom invoices that can be paid by credit card if you make that an option. Automatically email lesson and session reminders, late payment notifications, notes, and so much more. So many amazing features, I can't even list them all here. Every user also receives a free, easy-to-build website template to help market your studio or practice online. Ditch the costly web designer or programmers and have complete control over your website content. With dozens of professional templates available, you'll be sure to find one that best expresses your style. Whether you have 5 or 50 students, Music Teachers Helper works with studios and practices of all sizes. They offer a 30-day no-risk trial where you can test it out to discover how much time you'll be saving. If you use the link in the show notes or go to www musicteachershelper.com slash podcast, you'll save 20% off your first month if you choose to sign up after the trial. In this episode, I'm chatting with Noelle Anderson. Noelle is owner of Anderson Music Therapy Services in Roanoke, Virginia. Her clinical work has included working with children through adults with various developmental and neurological disabilities, including cerebral palsy, chromosomal abnormalities, intellectual disabilities, brain injury, and autism. Noelle holds a master's degree from Temple University in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. In the past, she has enjoyed serving as the regional treasurer as well as the secretary for MAR-AMTA. She has also served on the financial advisory committee for the national organization of the American Music Therapy Association. She hopes to return to serving the region once her boys give her a moment to sit down without being a jungle gym. Welcome to the podcast, Noelle. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So let's start with a little bit of background about you and how you became a music therapist. Well, basically, I started out... um, I couldn't find a job that was already available in music therapy when I first um, graduated. So um, I basically have created all the positions that I have had. And I feel like that's um, what a lot of music therapists have done. Uh, we just kind of, you know, make our way and, um, and create our own positions. So that's how I started um, at a school for kids with multiple disabilities. Um, and through my very first job, um, it was part-time, 
and through that job, I actually got a full-time uh, music therapy position at a, another school for kids with multiple disabilities, and I worked um, with preschoolers through adults, and um, it was just, it was so much fun working with teachers and speech therapists and physical therapists and occupational therapists, um, and of course, you know, all the, all the staff, um, they were just so supportive of music therapy, um, and I miss them a ton because I moved to Roanoke um, about, mm, I guess we're coming up on four years ago, and uh, when I got here, there really, no one really knew what music therapy was, um, and there didn't, I couldn't find any music therapists here, uh, so I created a Facebook page for music therapists in this area, and um, then I discovered there are actually a bunch. They're kind of just hidden away <laughs> and um, around the area, but there really weren't any full-time private practices um, in Roanoke, Virginia, so uh, I decided to start one, um, and that was, like I said, that was about four years ago, um, and I feel like more and more I meet people who have at least heard of music therapy if they don't know exactly what it is, um, but they've heard of it. So that's that's been encouraging. Nice. And where did it turn out that all of these music therapists were working? Um, well, a lot of them work in different facilities um, in the area. There's some in Lynchburg, um, which is a um, town or a city that's about an hour from um, Roanoke. There's a few music therapists in Radford. Radford University um, has a music therapy program. And so, of course, there's a lot of students there um, studying music therapy, but they tend to, it seems like they tend to go back um, home after they graduate. Um, there are, I feel like just recently, there's been a lot of new grads, um, grad students that are um, wanting to stick around at least and try to grow music therapy in the area. Um, yeah, they're just kind of hiding in the woodwork. That had to be kind of um, a mixed blessing for you moving to an area where it didn't seem like music therapy was particularly prevalent. I know that that was the case for me going into private practice and kind of having like an open market almost of clientele, but also, you know, having to fight that uphill battle of doing a lot of education in the area. Did you find that to be the case for you too? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was great because there's obviously so many clients, right? <laughs> um, but at the same time, you you don't have anyone to refer to if, if you can't take somebody or, or if maybe it's not your specialty. Um so yeah, and also even just for you know a pricing model was really tough at first to figure out um, where to go from there because there was nothing to compare it to in you know at least specifically in the music therapy disciplines. But um, people were really excited when they did you know learn that music therapy existed. So that that was encouraging and. Um, yeah, really, it's just have, it's been all about educating lots and lots of presentations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So what populations do you specialize in? 
Um, predominantly with children with disabilities, um, developmental and neurologic, and um, but we do work sometimes with um, mental health as well as with older adults. Nice. And do you have employees working for you? I do. I have one. Nice. Okay. And where did you where did you find her? Was she already in the area, or did she move there to to join your team? Um, she lives about an hour from me. Like I said, it's everyone's kind of around this area, um, but not quite in Roanoke, which is interesting because this is the biggest you know city in this area. Um, but she was she was about an hour away, and she was from Radford University. So I found her through um, you know through really through Radford. But she had applied uh, when she saw the position because there aren't any music therapy positions, you know, that open up readily in this area. Right. Nice, nice. So were you already working in private practice when you decided that the time was right to start a family, or was that before you started your private practice? Um, I was already working in, in private practice, and I had just been, um, I had been in grad school. I was doing long distance um, at Temple University, and so I was traveling a lot between there and then doing my private practice, and um, it was just was starting to wrap up things, wrap up my thesis, and um, getting into my 30s, <laughs> and uh, it just, yeah, everything was just coming together, so we thought, you know, this would be, be a good time to, to start our family. And did you decide to continue working while you were pregnant? I did. Um, I tried really hard. <laughs> um, I, I have twins. Oh, I did not know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So um, it was you know, my first and only pregnancy, so I have nothing to compare it to. Um, but my doctor continually said, I promise singletons are easier, <laughs> but uh, it was really tough carrying twins, um, and I felt like um, I should be able to work more, but um, but it was it was pretty challenging. So I was so thankful for my employee at that time because she was working for me. Um, so I ended up giving her some of my clients, um, taking a, a little smaller of a load caseload. Um, and I worked until I, I went into early labor. I Goodness, I can't even remember when it was exactly. I feel like it was maybe 32 weeks. Oh, that's early. Um, yeah, yeah, and it was, it was a bit scary. Um, but thankfully, they were able to stop it. And then I made it all the way to um, 38 weeks. Okay. And you didn't go back to work after that happened, did you? I didn't. No, the, the doctor said not to work <laughs> because pretty much every time I stood up, I had contractions. Um, so I, I just kind of stayed, stayed put for a while, and um, it gradually got better. I could walk more and more um, as the weeks went by. At first, literally, like I stood up and I would have contractions. Oh. Um, but thankfully, that that got better, so I was able to at least walk to the kitchen <laughs> more comfortably. Right. So in that time between going into early labor and then having the twins, were you able to work on the administrative side of your business at all? Or did you kind of just 
take it easy all the way around? Um, I pretty much had to, yeah, I, I had to work on the administrative side um, throughout that time. Um, and even you know, after the boys were born, I had to continue to do that. Um, and even, I remember um, being in the hospital, running my payroll after like the day the boys were born, um, just to make sure my employee, employee was paid. And I think I was um, still secretary of this um, the Mar, Mar region, the Mid Atlantic region. So I was doing something I vaguely remember in my sedated mind. Um, <laughs> writing some notes or emails about something about being the secretary. So I did, I continued to work as much as I could. <laughs> oh my goodness. The day after your twins were born, I can't even imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I know how hard it was for me to keep things going with my private practice while I was on maternity leave and I only had, you know, one baby. So how did you make that work with having two? Well, thankfully, um, my mom was here. All our family lives um, about seven hours away. So, um, thankfully, my mom stayed with us for, oh, maybe six weeks. Oh, how nice. So, yeah, so it was a huge, huge help. I, I literally could not have done it um, without her. And then my mother-in-law stayed with us for several more weeks. Um, so, that really, I feel like that was the only way I was able to have a moment to breathe and um, and get some things done okay. that I had to get done. And how long did you end up taking maternity leave before you went back to work clinically? Um, I believe it was about five months. The, the boys were born in the end of August, and then um, I returned um, to working with clients the first week of January. So, yeah, about five months. Did you feel like you were ready to go back, or was it harder uh, than you thought it would be? It was tough. I mean, in some respects, I was really excited to get get back, um, but it was it was tough. Um, thankfully, you know, because I had my employee, she I just ended up having her um, take most of the clients. And um, I just had, I think, two groups and, and two clients. So it wasn't, um, it was just nice to kind of ease in mm -hmm. and not all of a sudden jump into a, you know, totally full schedule. I think that really helped a lot. Yeah, that was smart. That was smart. I, I did it the opposite. I jumped into a completely full five-day-a-week oh, no. schedule and... It was, it was very challenging. I think the saving grace was that at the time I was still, um, I still had a home-based private practice, so I wasn't actually leaving my house, but yeah. having that, that demand on my time was, was really difficult mm. in the beginning. So that was very smart of you. Thank you. <laughs> and how did you feel like you changed or evolved as a music therapist after becoming a mom? I feel like um, I kind of think a little differently um, that I can get I can kind of get into the mind of parents a little bit more so and uh, understand at least partially 
you know, their concern for their child and um, just kind of, I guess, kind of step into their shoes a little bit more. Um, I'd say that that's probably the main, the main way that I've evolved as a music therapist. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's probably the most common answer that I get when, oh, yeah. I, when I talk to guests. Yeah, it, it's, you know, you have that, that empathy factor as a parent where you can really see where, where another parent is coming from and be able to, um, like you said, step into their shoes and see things from their perspective. Whereas before, not being a parent, you don't quite have that same viewpoint. Right. Mm-hmm. So what would you say are your biggest challenges when it comes to running a private practice, having twins, and making everything work? Uh, I'm sure there are a few, right? (laughs) Yeah. I'd say one of the hardest things is, um, you know, now I have to get babysitters whenever I have, you know, extended period of time where I need to work. Um, that's, you know, I, I'm sure you know that's a challenge, yeah. um, just yeah. finding somebody to to watch the boys and somebody who's comfortable watching two babies at once. Um, so that, I'd say that's number one. Um, also just finding time to do um, my administrative work and, you know, take care of my employee and make sure everything, um, you know, all, all, the clients are, you know, having what they need, and um, yeah, I'd say just finding finding time. <laughs> I'm always curious to hear about other business owners who are also moms and how they schedule that time um, between their cli- client hours and then all of the administrative work that comes with it. So, what does a weekly schedule look like for you? Well, thankfully, I still have a pretty light schedule, so that is a huge help. Um, but I try to get done my notes as quickly as possible, like after clients, so I don't have um, to do too much at one sitting. You know what I mean? Like if I have one client and then I have 30 minutes to the next one, I'll try to get done my notes in that 30-minute um, interval, mm-hmm. so that way I don't feel, you know, that way I don't have the extended period of time um, later. That exactly, yeah. Um, So I'd say that for one, Um, and then just trying when the boys go to sleep, if they ever do, um, (laughs) getting things done, trying to get things done really quickly in between naps, Um, and of course, you know, at nighttime that seems to be the most productive time because they sleep a little bit more soundly for several hours. And how old are they? They are eight and a half months. Oh, so they're, they're tiny. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, how fun. That's, it's such a fun stage and I can imagine a little bit busy with two. Oh yeah. <laughs> so do you have, um, a babysitter or childcare or are you home with them during the day, um, until you see your clients? Um, all of the above. We, whenever I have um, back-to-back clients, I do get a babysitter. Um, thankfully, my husband works from home as well. We both work from home for the majority. And um, so if I just have one client, 
then um, he'll watch the boys and um, and yeah that's pretty much how we work it you know if it's an extended period of time then um, definitely get a babysitter so he can work <laughs> nice yeah that sounds like a really convenient setup so what would you say are the most fulfilling aspects of doing all of the above <laughs> Uh, well, I think just, you know, if I get done what I need to do, <laughs> um, what's on my, you know, schedule and I see clients and I get done my notes and I take care of the boys and, um, at the end of the day, if I sit back and I think I did it, <laughs> I got through the day and I accomplished this, you know, and just kind of. Um, just kind of realizing that the little things um, are important and, you know, I took care of two babies and I got done my work. Like, just kind of taking, um, I can't think of the word. I know exactly what you're saying because <laughs> I, I felt the same way. It was like I completely had to restructure how I looked at my productivity and how I looked at just accomplishments. And being able to give myself a little bit more grace in everything that I was doing work-wise and personally mm -hmm. because it's so much and it's, it feels so hard, especially throughout that first year. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. And I can't think of a good word for it either. So I'm going to chalk that up to pregnancy pregnancy brain and mama brain because that <laughs> never goes away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what about um, self-care? I know that you probably don't have a whole lot of time, especially with such young kiddos, but are there some things that you do to step outside of your role as music therapist and mom and take care of Noelle? Yeah, I try. It, it, it is hard. Um, but I try to get out with um, with friends or have a date night with my husband. Um, and I actually found, as much as you know, it is some work to get out of the house with the boys. Um, it's usually fun, you know, when when we do get out. Um, they're generally good in public. They're better in public than at home for some reason. <laughs> so, so it's just kind of refreshing, I guess, to get. Um, not like be so mundane um, so that's yeah just getting out with them as well I think also for me and probably a lot of of women um, like getting my hair done just makes me feel better you know that like taking care of myself um, and then you know once in a while maybe getting some nice clothes or something just to you know physically taking care of myself um, just kind of, you know, makes me makes me feel better, peps me up. Um, and what we actually do is we have a budget line for, um, like, for kind of self care um, that money gets added to to that each month. So I don't have to feel bad about getting my hair done, or I can do whatever I want with that money. You know. Oh, that's such a smart idea, and it almost kind of like encourages you to take advantage of that because you see that it's there and that it's for that specific purpose. And so then you don't feel guilty. I love that idea. Right. Right. Nice. Nice. Especially with the added expenses of, 
you know, baby expenses, it's easier to, to feel guilty when you're spending money on yourself. So I'm curious um, as to what kind of advice you have just in general for other music therapists who are um, entering motherhood and are new moms or thinking about it. And then specifically for moms of twins, because I know there are a few music therapists with twins out there. So what advice would you give? Um, I think, as you, you said earlier, something that's so important um, is to give yourself grace. You know, we, I think as women, we don't um, give ourselves enough credit and give our bodies enough credit of all that it goes through. Our mind, I mean... <laughs> everything changes. Um, we've, you know, completely different responsibilities, We're working on less sleep. And with all those big transitions, uh, we just need to give ourselves some grace, you know, and give ourselves some credit that, you know, we got through another day. <laughs> um, and I think taking, taking those moments and just saying, I did it today. You know, I, I made it through another day. Um, as silly as that sounds, I think it's really important that you do give yourself credit because uh, I think as as a society, we tend to um, beat ourselves up and find something that's wrong, um, some way that we're not being the perfect mother. And um, I think we really need to change our mindset and look at the positive th things that we did that day. Um, as far as being a twin mom, I think double, double grace. <laughs> yes. it, is, it is exhausting um, being a mom and then having two babies that are just, you're trying to get them on the same schedule and um, all that comes with that. Um, never deny help. Um, always accept help. And I think, especially for thinking about um, during the pregnancy, uh, it is it is different than a singleton pregnancy, and I think giving yourself an extra measure of grace during that time as well, listening to your body, um, if you feel like you need to rest, do it. Um, just taking care of yourself, eating healthy. I mean, the same thing you would do for you know a singleton pregnancy, um, but just really, I think. Um, being in tune with your body and, and listening to yourself is, is super important. Yeah, I think that is such great advice. And um, that reminds me of um, a thread that I was reading on the, I don't know if you're part of the um, Music Therapist Mamas board on Facebook, um, but there yeah. was a post just the other day from um, another member and she was um, towards the end of her pregnancy and asking about you know, how far or how late into her pregnancy, you know, others had worked and, and how sh far she should feel comfortable working. And that was, I think, the number one answer that everybody was giving was you need to listen to your body and, you know, know what feels right for you because you need to take care of yourself first and foremost so that your baby's healthy and that you don't have that added stress. So I think that's really, really good advice. And I think it's something that we don't do nearly as often as we should, especially as business owners, because we always feel like there's one more thing that should be done or, you know, we have um, an extra hour. So let's try to, you know, do all of these tasks. And it's yeah. really hard to, to put that work down sometimes and, and listen to what your body needs. 
Yeah, yeah, because I do remember I I felt bad that I felt like I should be able to work, you know, and I should be able to do all these things, but my body said no. Right, <laughs> so exactly. Do you, yeah, you just got to listen to it and and not feel bad about it. Right, and I think also realizing that your clients will understand and you're, <laughs> you know, most of them are parents and have been there before. So, um, it's, it's, you have to put yourself first at some point, especially during a pregnancy and, and as a new mom yeah. too. Yeah. 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 So Noelle, do you have any music therapy related projects or news or music therapy related advice that you'd like to share? Really, the the only thing that I want to share is just to encourage music therapists to continue to educate the public about music therapy. Uh, I know sometimes we get tired of explaining what music therapy is over and over again, but it's it's so important. I mean, it's our profession, and um, if someone hasn't heard of it, then we we got to tell them. Um, tell them what it is and what it isn't, um, because music therapy uh, a lot of times is misrepresented. You know, I have um, like Google alerts set on my Gmail, so anytime music therapy is mentioned, um, you know, in a blog or um, in a news story, I get an email with those, um, you know, those those stories, and a lot of times it's it's not actually music therapy. And, um, so I just want to encourage music therapists to continue to educate. And if you do see music therapy being uh, misrepresented, then you can email your, um, regional professional advocacy representative. Each region has one and, um, you should be able to find their email probably on your, um, region's website. And if not, you should definitely be able to find your um, regional president's email and be able to email him or her for um, to find that representative's email. And you know, once they know um, if the if the music therapy is being misrepresented in some way, then they can contact AMTA um, and you know do whatever they need to do to um, inform those people what music therapy actually is or. Either, you know, sometimes a music therapist's job can come out of that when they actually learn that it is a profession um, and you need a credentialed professional to, to do that job. So I just encourage music therapists to contact their um, professional advocacy representative if they do see music therapy being misrepresented. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that because I was absolutely not aware that that position existed. So um, I'm sure there are other music therapists out there that wasn't, were not aware of that um, prior to you mentioning it. So thank you for that. And I also think, yeah, you're exactly right. It's so important to educate people about what music therapy isn't in addition to what it is because, you know, they might see a, a musician volunteer in the hospital and assume that that's a music therapist or they might see, you know, a, a special um I don't know, choir come in and assume that that's music therapy. So having mm-hmm. having a list of what music therapy isn't, and there, there's a really good one on the AMTA website um, that I always include in my educational materials for 
um, when I do presentations or when I have a new contact for a possible contract, um, I think is, is a great piece of advice. So I've got one last question for you, and that is, do you have any favorite products, books, or resources related to either music therapy or motherhood? Well, related to motherhood, I just came across this, um, what they call a homemaker bundle, and basically it is a ton of ebooks, um, and there's ones on cooking, self-care, marriage, motherhood, um, cleaning, and also working from home, like they have a book on how to blog for profit. And then uh, the, the bundle also came with um, a class from Craftsy. If, are you familiar with Craftsy.com? No, I'm not. It's all these video tutorials on how to do anything. Like I got one for um, cooking in a crock pot <laughs> and like uh, how to like knife skills. So it teaches you how to do all these different things. Um, so I got a free free class from that. I got a free scarf and also some free exercise videos. Um, so it was like this whole, this whole bundle. And they also, unfortunately, that one, they're only available for a limited time. So that one's done, okay. which is sad. <laughs> but they do have um, DIY bundles and um, healthy living bundles. And then like each year, they'll come back with a homemaker bundle again for next year. But I just found it... Um, I don't know. It just kind of really encouraged me. There's a lot of uh, information in there that's useful. And um, if you like reading, then it's definitely worth it. So it's like 99 ebooks or something ridiculous like that. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It's um, ultimate-bundles.com. And you can sign up to get an alert like so you know when the next one is available. Um, so that, that was... I don't know. I thought it was fun. That is awesome. <laughs> I, I love ebooks, and I love just having that kind of reading material at my fingertips. So I will definitely be checking that out. Cool. Yeah. Um, then for just, I mean, really motherhood and music therapy, of course, I think most people know about Pinterest. Mm -hmm. I just, I love Pinterest. <laughs> um, you can get you know, infographics that are pictures that you like concisely share information. Um, you can post those to your Twitter or to your Facebook. And, of course, you can find new songs and activity ideas. Uh, you can watch even some videos of music therapy sessions. So there's just tons of resources that I'm sure most, I would imagine most music therapists are using Pinterest. But if you're not, um, there's just a lot of really neat ideas. And as a mom, I love to find the different sensory ideas for the boys, um, that even at this young age, they can, they can do some fun sensory activities. Yeah, absolutely. I love Pinterest too. And it's a little addictive, but it's worth it because of all of the <laughs> great resources you can find. Well, Noelle, thank you so much for being on the show. And actually you are the first mom of twins that I've interviewed. So that's kind of exciting. Um, so thank you yeah. for sharing all of your insight with us. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to send Noelle a message, 
you can contact her via email, noelle at amusictherapy.com. Would you like to be a guest on the show? Let me know. Get in touch and find the show notes for this episode at guitarsandgranolabars.com. And if you feel so inclined, please leave a review on iTunes. I'll talk to you again next week. Thank you.